This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Joining me in the studio today, David Moore. There's no Evan Grant today, which a bonus. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't leave a cutout of him in his seat since he's the only one that actually looks into the camera on these things. Yeah, he does. And he, he likes does to look that. into In fact, I, I've noticed during the Cowboys segments, he doesn't say much, but he continually mugs into the camera. You know, Evan's. And what all, a mug that is. Yeah, he is always looking for the camera. Just walking down the street, Evan's always searching for cameras. Uh, so we had a little uh, Cowboys news yesterday. You know, David, this is the way it usually works. Uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to knock out a column here on the on the Rangers. And get you it did. Up early. You did. Get By the time the I landed from D.C., it was already there. Yeah, on the Cowboys and and, and knocking it out early and get it uh, get it in there for digital, you know, because that's a big thing. We want to get that yeah. early. Get that around lunchtime. Well, you why yeah. people should get that. And then while I'm at lunch, then they made the trade for Mari Cooper. <laughs> so out with that column, in with a new column. Uh, now. My take on it was that, sure, there's some risk involved in this, in this deal. There's a risk involved in any kind of deal. But I think, it, of course, I'd be a little hypocritical to come out against it now after I wrote last week that they, they, should, that yeah. they should trade for him. So uh, I think this was a good deal. I don't know what kind of dividends it will pay right away. There is a question, of course, he's under the concussion protocol. Uh, how, how soon can he develop any kind of rapport? I do feel like, however, that the threat of him – alone is enough to at least loosen up defenses a little bit and help their running game. It should. And, and look, the, the Cowboys would not have given up a first-round pick if they had given up on their chances for the postseason. Right. Um, that just doesn't make sense. And so this is a very clear signal to the players and the coaches that, look, our postseason expectations are still in place with this move, we feel we've given you what you need. Now, right. deliver. That uh, yeah. puts pressure on, on everybody. No yeah. question. It, it's uh, like I said. There, there's a. There will be consequences to this in my mind if the Cowboys uh, don't make the postseason, or at least aren't in a position going into the final week where they could. And now, obviously, this the landscape alters depending on injuries and, and other things that occur. But um, I, I think there are there are a lot of ramif- implications and ramifications to this move. And, and uh, I believe there will be consequences if this team in what ownership feels is a playoff race that is still wide open, even though they're three and four. If this team fails to make the playoffs, I believe there will be consequences I don't believe those consequences come crashing down around Amari Cooper. I believe no. they come crashing down among the coaching staff. And when you're looking forward, uh, this 
this pick, you know, this trade ties directly into their evaluation of Dak Prescott as far as whether or not he is the true franchise quarterback going forward because he gives you a lot of the things they say that Dak Prescott needs, uh, good speed, good size, uh, an outstanding route runner, can create separation on his routes. You don't need to scheme him open like you do some other uh, receivers, which is which they don't like to do in the system as much. Right. So They're not running don't picks see, and crossing Yeah, players. exactly, exactly. So if you don't see an uptick in, in the passing game in Dak Prescott's effectiveness – with Amari Cooper here, and now you'll have him for nine games this season and all of next season. Then, if you still, if we're still talking about, well, the rapport is not there, and and well, this is what Dak Prescott needs, and that uh, I, I believe your evaluation, you, you know, a lot more about Dak Prescott and whether or not he's your franchise quarterback. So, in, in my mind, the the ramifications of this trade are immediate. And also go into next season. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. And you know, and and that's. It'll be interesting to me to see what it is. You know, when you watch a game when Dak's playing, and, and it's, sometimes it's hard on television because you don't get the the broad field field of vision that you see sometimes. Like when Tony Romo pointed out in the game the other day, when Dak took off and ran for ten yards, there were two guys wide open, yes. one in the end zone, wide open, yeah. uh, and uh, he's not seeing that. So is he? You know, a quarterback's not going to see every receiver on every play. Uh, but, you know, there's a question of whether he's seeing people or is it a question of sometimes with Dak, and, and this is what I feel like with him and his internal clock and what, the way his mind is working is that, A, I am so averse to turning the ball over, I got to see a guy wide open. I got to think that, first of all, I got to think that this guy can get open, which is what he yeah. thinks with Cole Beasley. This mm-hmm. guy I know can get open, and when I look at him, he is open. There I go. You know, sure. now that what that means sometimes is you're not throwing timing patterns, you're not throwing guys to get open, you're not throwing them open, you're not doing those those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that uh, John Owning, our our uh, our film studies major, as I like to uh, <laughs> describe him, he has described uh, 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 Amari Cooper as a guy who's not going to be great on contested catches. But then again, uh, Dak doesn't do much of that. You know, he doesn't throw the guys. How often does he do it? Yeah. No. And that's another – why didn't he have more of a rapport with Des Bryant? Right. I think he was reluctant to throw those. I will also say Des Bryant wasn't winning as many contested catches as he did earlier in his career. So, there – look, I think most players recognize and accept what the players around them do. So, I I think a quarterback, if – you know, if he knows – Cole Beasley is going to be where he needs to be, even if he doesn't see him in that moment. He's going to do it because he's worked with him on task, as they say, enough to know or have confidence that will happen. Uh, With some of these other guys, you don't do that, especially if your first inclination is to protect the ball and to not turn it over. So, yeah, I think there there are so many things intertwined here. Uh, All of what you said about Dak is accurate. But how much of that goes to the offensive line not giving them enough time uh, to read? How much of it is the offense is really struggling now? Uh, I don't know if I can trust these receivers, so I'm going to run more. How much of it is you know designed runs versus, well, I'm just going to take off. when If I get to my second read and I don't feel good about it, I'm going to run now rather than going through my third read. Right. And, and I think that this offense is going so poorly now, and a lot of you – know, portions of a lot of games they're groping to find something to work um I don't know that Dak is any of those things you know right. I, I I think in the moment you know, it was interesting he was talking about uh 
again, we talk about him not turning it over. Well, he had two huge fumbles in that loss to Washington. Yeah. Uh, they fumbled on the fourth and one. A different where, kind of turnover. Where he, he picked it up. Uh, not interceptions, but still turn. Look, if you're a running quarterback, yeah. uh, a fumble is like an interception. Right. Um, it, in fact, it's usually worse because it's going to be closer to right. to the uh, goal line than if you threw it down, you know, 20, 25 yards downfield and had it intercepted. So, but, you know, he spoke about the the worst one and, and really what was inexcusable was um, the, he turned, and that was the one in the third quarter, and Kerrigan's right on him, mm-hmm. and he's back in the end zone, and he knows he's in the end zone. And rather than – he didn't see anyone at that point. Rather than throw it away, his, you know, his, his first thought was – and he talked about this after the game. I thought he was pretty good about it. Uh, he said, well, look, I can't take a safety here. Where this game is, I just can't take a safety. I've got to get out of the end zone. So that's when he spun, and in spinning, that's where he lost the ball. It got hit, and they right. ran in and you know gave him a touchdown and put him up twenty to ten. And it came from spinning to get out of the end zone, not to give up the safety, right. and he gave up a touchdown instead. Right. And as he said, whenever you make a bad decision, it's going to turn into a worse one. And and I was trying to avoid a bad decision, and it turned into the worst decision I could have made. Yeah. And he says I should have just thrown that away right well um but why didn't he throw it away because he's not real confident and doesn't feel good about where this offense is right now this is going to go to the end of game management again with 52 seconds left when the cowboys have the ball at the 46 yard line one time out they've just completed an 18 yard uh pass to cole beasley um what do they do rather than take a shot down the field to try to win the game they're like, oh, look, uh, let's just run a couple of short passes here, uh, which they did, a couple of short passes to Beasley, got a few more yards, and then uh, 12 seconds left when they actually had – Washington had to use a, a timeout when they spiked it to review a play that was overturned – you know, to review a play that was overturned. Well, Dallas didn't even lose that spike play. They got that play back, and rather than take a shot – yeah, you were giving them gift closer. there. Yeah. yeah, they just plunged Ezekiel Elliott between the hash marks to set it up better for the kicker. Well, the thing is, as soon as they got to the 46-yard line with 52 seconds left, they were playing for a field goal in the tie immediately. There was yeah. no thought that was a stunning thing to, to winning me. the game or even to getting in a better spot for a, a chip shot field goal. It was, we've got a field goal here, let's tie it, get in into overtime. And and to me that just and look, all the players I talked to bought into it, and and I know that sometimes players will tell you something and feel differently behind the scenes, but a lot of times it's the way they respond and they tell you things that you pick up signals on. I didn't get the sense that anyone offensively had a problem with that, and to me that speaks to the lowered expectations of this offense that they have accepted for themselves. You know, if this was a good offense. There would have been people going, why in the world weren't we taking a shot? But right. it's not a good offense right now. And in their minds, it's just like, well, you know what? The, for us to even have a chance to tie this game, given down by 10, my gosh, yeah. let's do it. Let's take it right now. And, and that, to me, that's a, that's a very insidious thing because it shows that, that the offense has accepted and expects less of itself than it would have going into this season.
And, yeah. and it shows you how they perform. I just, you know, in my first column yesterday, uh, that was what I had talked. We'll never see. No, well, well, maybe we can oh, recycle it. Was, it. it was digitally. Yeah, we never had the newsprint. It, it was there for about yeah, 40 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was just that. Uh, the, the thinking that you would, you have 52 seconds left and you're, you're on the opponent's half of the field. You're in great shape here. Yeah. If you work the sidelines, you, you could run five plays, you know, and not use your timeout. Uh, so there was plenty of time for them to do what they needed to do. I thought that, you know, not only were was Jason Garrett sending a message to his players, which is that I got more confidence in the kicker than I do in the offense. Mm-hmm. That, that's the number one thing. And secondly, and I was looking up this research, and, that, and of all things, this uh, a psychology journal had done a, a study over the last 10 years of NFL coaches at the end of games. And specifically, they were talking about either – you know, but they were talking about going for the tie or going for the win, mm-hmm. and but it was talking about kicking the extra point or going for two, and and their and their point was, and then they also looked at NBA games when when you you either go for the two point shot or the three point shot, you know, three point to win, two point to tie, mm-hmm. and that invariably in both sports when you went for the tie, you ended up losing, and 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 their point was is that in, in let's say the two point conversion, that's a that's about a fifty percent chance of, of converting on that mm-hmm. of of winning after going for the tie you got a 40 percent chance of winning so you got a better chance anyway if you go for this and do this and i think that for for clubs and organizations uh to not understand the analytics of that that the, you know you've got all these numbers that tell you when yeah. to go for two you know right that sure. every coach has that uh at his disposal but also not to realize at the end of the game you're on the road and you're not very good on the road. And here you are. You have a chance to win in regulation. Get this over with. Get out of here. To me, in baseball, there's an old adage that you play for the tie at home and you play for the win on the road. Sure. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I don't have numbers to show if that's really accurate or not. I know that baseball has always said that. But it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, you're in a hostile environment, why would you want to extend it? I mean, I know that you're thinking that, well, we, we were behind and we got a chance to tie. We got a chance to go into overtime. Let's, let's do this now. Let's, let's live to fight another day, all that kind of talk. But I also believe that you send a message to your team. This is what Doug Peterson did last year continually. Now, it's not working out so well for the Eagles this year. But last year, it worked out very well with a team that was not that great and was playing with a backup quarterback Mm -hmm. for a good part of it and in the Super Bowl. So I I think you send a message to your team that we're we're taking a calculated chance here, but we think we can win here. We think we need to do this. And and, uh, but. and you just had a 12-play drive for 74 yards and Abs- a touchdown. Absolutely. So it was, you know, and, and this is interesting. Now, now Cole Beasley argued the other side of it a little bit on this because he, he was asked three or four times if he had a problem with it, and he never, I mean, never cracked. He said no. And finally he said, he said, look, I had a problem with what we were doing offensively for the first three and a half quarters. I don't have a problem with what we did in the final five minutes. You know, that's when we were at our best. Yeah. And, yeah, the the mistakes and everything. But, again, it just – to me, the worst thing that would have happened there, unless – look, and and this team had gotten a lot of penalties that moved them back in that game and have on the road all season. Right. But, you know – What's the worst if you would have taken a shot down? One, you either would have missed it and stopped the clock or, 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 or a couple of shots. Or, or two, okay, maybe you don't score a touchdown, but now you're kicking uh, – you're at the 23-yard line. Right, the 40-yard kicking goal. And you're kicking a 38-yard field goal. And then when they call uh, LP Lottisur for moving the ball on the ground, 
you're back at a 42-yard field goal instead. And by so, the way, did we hear all that the, the that Jay Gruden had said something to the officials previously that on our film studies have shown that a lot of sewers is, is moving the ball before the snap, and so the, the officials were actually looking for that. Well, I believe they notified him before the game is what yeah. uh, is what we heard, and uh, um, but you know it it wasn't an issue on the first one. It was no. on on that one, and it, it, this has been an interesting debate because. Uh, a lot of people who've been in the league a long time say this is ridiculous. Yeah, you know the the ball was Tony all he Dungy was doing. Said that. Yeah, yeah, and you know all he was doing is he had his hand on the ball, and yes, he moved it and he spun it, but it's nothing that any deep snapper he's not picking it up. Do. He's right. not picking it up and, and trying to be deceptive with it. Right. He's just trying to get a good. This is just part of his routine. Yeah. Uh, by the letter of the law, I guess you could always call that, but when you rarely see it called. And how often do you see it called on a a game-defining oh, kick? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. yeah. To, to me, that's an issue I brought up on a tweet was it's like on a Hail Mary, there's all kinds of interference on a Hail oh, Mary. Exactly, yeah. And, and no, one, no referee ever, or official ever calls that play. And yet they do on this. That You, you, you do something because – I as, think they said he was too exaggerated, and because of that exaggerated movement, it, it caused the Washington defender to jump off sides. Yeah. Well, so now what? You're just telling your guys, hey, jump off sides. Yeah, and we're so going to say he. As soon as he <laughs> starts to move that ball, jump. The ball. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the, the uh, because the, the, we talked about this earlier, and you mentioned the, the Cowboys making this move because they believe they're still in the playoff hunt, which I believe they are too. As, as and because as their play. wide receiver by committee has been an abject failure. Yes, it has. There's no question about that. And this is a concession to that. I think so too. And you know, and and, and you and I, I think, are on the same ground when we say that bringing back Des Bryant would not have changed that. No, no, he was not the receiver he had been, no. and so that's not changed. And probably what has affected them more is the fact that they don't have Jason Witten, who was a who was a, was a consistent and continual target. And and uh, and then their personnel assessments, who they were relying on, have not panned out to right. the level that they. Um, you know, Alan Hearns is coming off his – well, first, let's start. They tried to get Sammy Watkins. Yeah. They were unable to do that. He went to Kansas City. After that, they felt they could make this work with Alan Hearns in free agency, Deontay Thompson in free agency, and use a third-round pick on Michael Gallup. Well, Hearns has been a disappointment for what they expected him to contribute to this offense. Yeah. He had his best game in Washington – and I thought that was the sort of game that he was going to have here for the Cowboys. Uh, but that's the first time we've really seen it. Um, you can't count on him. To, and look, the, the numbers are just staggering. I mean, um, they went into this – they go into this week as, as, as they were making the Amari Cooper trade. They only had one receiver rank in the top 110 in the yeah, league. That's crazy. And that was Cole Beasley – who was at number 45, they didn't have another wide receiver on the roster. Cole Beasley had 33 receptions for 350 yards and a couple of touchdowns. No other wide receiver on this Cowboys roster has 200 yards receiving. Yeah, They were all under 200. And, and that's with Michael Gallup coming off of a game where he just had 81. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, he, and made an outstanding move on a touchdown. Now, look, we've seen the last couple of weeks that Michael Gallup uh, can bring something to this offense. But you knew he wasn't going to give you that initially, that you were going to develop him, and you're going to have to lean on others to produce yeah, he's still very early raw. in the season. Very raw. And uh, to me, he hasn't been a disappointment. He's flashing and no. progressing to the point 
that they would have anticipated going into this season and expected. Where they've been hurt is Alan Hearns hasn't given them the presence they, they thought. Uh, Terrence Williams just basically took himself out of the equation from the start. Uh, Deontay Thompson early was doing some things underneath, uh, but hadn't helped. You know, Tavon Austin was another guy that I neglected to mention. They traded for to add. Mm-hmm. Again, after they couldn't get Sammy Watkins, they acquired – Hearns and Thompson in free agency traded for Tavon Austin and drafted uh, 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 Michael Gallup. Gallup. So uh, now look at all those four. Hearns has underperformed. Thompson hasn't given them much. Hadn't been bad, but hadn't given them much. It's just a a nickel and dime guy the way they've used him. Gallup has flashed here the last two games. uh, I would say on target or, or has met expectations for what they thought. Tavon Austin immediate impact uh his speed really helped them now he has a groin injury and they don't even know if he'll return this year so three of the four moves they made in the aftermath of of unable being able to get sam sammy watkins and letting des bryant go have not worked so they conceded this on monday and agreed even by their own admission even though they will never state it publicly to overpay with a first-round pick to get Amari Cooper in here to see if they can straighten out the mistake that they made in their personnel decisions. Now let's talk about that, uh, the overpaying of that, because let's go back to a couple of trades that Jerry has made over the years for receivers that did did not go very well. Uh, First of all, we had the trade for Joey Galloway in 2000, which uh, required two first-round picks. Two first-round picks, and the thinking there was that Troy was on his last legs, and you wanted to give him a speed guy and give him something that uh, he could work with, and Gallo got hurt. Galloway. Galloway got hurt almost immediately. Yeah, in the first game uh, he got hurt and was out for for the rest of the season. Comes back after that, and he's playing uh, playing with uh, Quincy Carter and Chad Hutchinson. Yeah. That's not going to make anybody look too good. And he's not the same. At the stage of his career where he suffered that injury, especially being a speed guy, it was – he was not the same. But he went to Tampa Bay, and he was all right. But that was never worth – that was never a good idea, trading two first-round draft picks for a a 29-year-old wide receiver. That was not a good idea. And a quarterback at the end. And, again, this was was owner Jerry Jones making a massively – bad decision and allowing the emotion and the relationships he had built during those teams winning three Super Bowls in four years, leaning on those and looking at the players he still had in place from those championship teams through the prism of their championship years versus where they were actually from a personnel perspective at that stage of their careers. That was at the worst point in my mind because um, anyone outside who hadn't, you know, and and look, I hate going back to war talk, but people talk about being in the trenches and you, and I understand that forms different relationships and it's harder to let go of those and, and you know what a great player sacrificed for you for all these years and so you still believe that you have, they have it in them. And you see it just enough to say, well, see, that's it. That's why we're not making a move here. Right. But you see it only once every four or five games instead of every week. Right. And, and that's the stage that Cowboy team was in. They still had enough players from the nucleus of those championship teams that Jerry felt 
oh, let's keep it together. They deserve this. We can, if I can just give them Joey Galloway and then, you know, do this, then maybe we can be right there again. It was not a realistic assessment of where they were from a personnel standpoint. And so from that one, he massively overpaid. He did. And then his next one uh, was in, I believe, 2008. Eight, yeah. uh, and that's when he traded a one, a three, and a six for a seven and Roy Williams. Uh, yeah. And I have to say at the time, uh, I was a Roy Williams fan. I, I liked him at Texas. I thought he was underutilized there. He, he went to Detroit, and he had some. He had one Pro Bowl season there yeah. uh, at uh, with uh, the Detroit. Always thought he was kind of a fascinating character. Big target, uh, fairly fast. Uh, so here was a guy who could make a difference, and uh, he was less of a factor than Joey Galloway was. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was never. Um, again, if you're doing that, you want to do it for a lead receiver yeah uh, and he was really more of a second receiver yeah. you know um and and he was a he was a solid guy um uh, but not nearly worth what they gave up no for him a one three and a six so that's so here we go back and look here they gave up two ones for joey galloway massive overpay yeah. they gave up a one three and six for uh, Roy Williams, Roy Williams. Uh, another overpay, mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, maybe not as much as Joey, but but very, very similar. In this particular instance, they give up a one for a guy, Amari Cooper, who was a one himself. Yes. Uh, and uh, was, I believe, the, what, he was a top ten pick. Fourth pick. Fourth, fourth pick. pick. Fourth yeah. pick of that draft. And he certainly paid off. That That's a very rare thing to have a receiver. He was a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl receiver. For, and 1,000-yard receiver his first year. First two seasons. First two seasons. Pro Bowl both seasons. 2,223 yards and 11 touchdowns in his first two seasons. So let's look at uh, – so people can say, uh, certainly you would think, now unless something else happened, and of course it depends on where you end up and the players are available to you, but if you're looking for a real need in this next draft, it was going to be a wide receiver. So if you were going to take a wide receiver in the first round, uh, you know there, there's some speculation about who's out there. There's not really anybody at the top of the draft who's considered a great wide receiver prospect. I, I mentioned Kelvin Harmon from North Carolina State, a guy who prob- probably would be available in the middle of the first round. But let's look at, a, at the last couple of years. We had two years ago, we had three receivers taken in the first round of the draft. Yeah. Uh, John Ross. Ross. Uh, we Williams, had, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, Mike Williams, and then we had Corey Davis. Davis. Uh, so we had those three guys taken in the in the in the first top in the top ten picks yes. of the first round. Those three guys through a year and a half have combined for ninety nine catches. Yeah, uh, not much. You're not getting much from those guys. In this year's draft, we had DJ Moore taken twenty fourth and Ridley, uh, and then we had Calvin Ridley taken at twenty six. DJ Moore has barely gotten on the field mm-hmm. uh, for Baltimore. Now, Calvin Ridley's done pretty well. Uh, I think he's got around 33 catches, something like that. He has Julio Jones. He has Sanu. Yeah, they're low. they're a team that passes. And yeah. they, they do throw the ball. They've got an offensive machine kind of going there. He's got six touchdown catches. He's kind of been stuck on six now for two He's or working weeks. against a lot of slot receivers. But, yeah, he's been stuck on six because now teams are saying, okay, this is how they use him, so this is how we're going to defend right. him. Right. Again, not to diminish what he's done. He's no. been very good. And, and you mentioned those guys, but let's go back the year before that, before the, the Davis-Williams-Ross year. You had Coleman. Fuller, Doxon, who we just saw with right. Washington, and, and what did he do in this game? Right. And uh, Treadwell. Right. Those were other first-round picks. So if you want to go back and you want to look at the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the last nine first-round receivers taken in the first round over the three, three previous drafts, Cooper, even with the questions on what he's done these last two years, is ahead of those guys. He and, is. And, and the question is, again, like we said, you know, 
22, more than 2,200 yards and 11 touchdowns the first two years. The last two years, and again, this one, there's still nine games left in this right. one. Uh, he's 960 yards with eight touchdowns. And hasn't and this year's had like two big games and then been non-existent for three or four. He has, and and uh, and of course you look at the targets on those, and that's the, the but two big games. Let's say that as well. How, well many, how many receivers with the Cowboys right now have had two big big games? I, be, I believe he's tar- had one. The targets went in his in his first game five. He went from five to ten to three to twelve to one and one. Yeah. So uh, the the last one he got hurt, he had the concussion, and that was why he was out. But in the in the second game when he went for he was he had ten targets, he had ten catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I believe in the next uh, in the next big game he had I believe fourteen targets and twelve catches. So when they throw him the ball, he's been productive. Yeah, and and one of the and people will bring this up and, and rightfully so when you look at the number of drops by receivers in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was lamenting Des Bryant. Amari Cooper was right there with him. Yes, he was. And but he has not had a problem with drops this year. Now he hasn't no. had a lot of targets either. But he, but he's been very effective on on the ones he's been. Yes, he has. And so I mean, the, to me, the the concerns. If I'm the Cowboys, what I'm going to be concerned about is a he had a concussion last year. He had a concussion this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's concussions two years in a row. Now certainly that could develop into a problem uh, sure. if he's more susceptible to those. Now we know that that's the case sometimes with sometimes. players. Sometimes and uh, y- and you don't know and you, do, <laughs> you a, just a, don't know. You don't know. So that that you risk that. You, there's the question of, so why did, uh, you know, the, the Raiders give up on him? You know, they gave up on Khalil Mack, who's having a, a, an outstanding year for yeah. Chicago. They don't want to pay Khalil Mack. They didn't yeah. want to pay him. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to want to pay – they didn't want, really want to pay uh, Omari Cooper either. They don't want to pay Cooper. But, it, but, again, that's not saying they're not good players. That's right. saying we don't want to pay them to this level. Not where we are right now. Yeah. I think it's a little bit like the, we, we talked about the Rangers on our last podcast and about you know where you are as an organization. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to be in a position where you're paying really good guys a lot of money when your team stinks. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, and so I, I think that there's been a lot of talk that he's going to trade Derek Carr at, at some point, you know. So we were trying to shut down yesterday after this, saying, no, Carr's a part of this. We, we yeah. want Derek Carr. Well, that'll be interesting to see what they do. That, that mm-hmm. Certainly that they're, they've got a lot of, you know, they're, they're shutting everything down. They're piling up draft sure. picks. And I understand the concern from, from fans when you, when you say you're giving up a first-round draft pick because sure. that's all the excitement about the draft, right? Well, and Dallas has been pretty good in the first, with their first-round pick here in recent years. I, with all of the criticism that they've received, I think everyone finally, that is starting to shift. And, and people are saying, you know, Cowboys are doing a pretty good job in the draft. So that places a premium even more on, well, what could they have done? And, right. and look, and, and now you have – but some people are saying, well – why do this? You could have taken Calvin Ridley and then controlled the contract. It would have been much more manageable than you have him for. But, you know, it's interesting to point out that Amari Cooper is the same age yes, as Calvin they're Ridley. They're both 24. They're both 24. Yeah. The difference being Amari Cooper has been in the league. This is now his fourth season, and he's already produced two 1,000-yard seasons. So you're not giving up from an age standpoint. You have a guy who has a track record. And you've seen what he can do in this league, and I and, think he has a higher upside. I think if you look at people, yeah. people look at Amari oh, no, Cooper and say, tell you that. "He's yeah. a four-four guy. He's fast. He gets great separation. Runs great routes. Uh, has more that Calvin really was viewed more as a number two. Sure, it was not viewed as, as an X receiver as as a guy from a skill standpoint. Amari Cooper, yeah, yes, is no a, is a better player. So the question is, is all right. So how quickly will he adjust? I think we we have seen a that. That Alan, that the the Dak and Alan Hearns had no rapport. Uh, Although it, you saw some in Washington, it's it, it worked yeah. out a little bit more here. 
But I'll so say one game. I want yeah, one game. I want to go back to the fact that from the from the get go in 2016 that Dak had a rapport with Cole Beasley. Yeah. Boom! Right, right from the very start, mm-hmm. and, and and I think that uh, that has a lot to do with what we talked about earlier. The fact that he always knew where Cole was going to be. Yeah. He always knew that Cole was going to run a good route, and he knows that Cole has Cole has good hands and is catching the ball with his hands. And you could stretch the defense in a way where if you have Des Bryant over on this side and Jason Witten over here, you can make the it, middle was open. Yeah, you can make it the middle open for right. Cole Beasley in a way you haven't been able to since. Yeah. So I do think there's a potential here, uh, and I, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of rapport that with, with Amari Cooper. I don't know what you know. Everything you hear about Amari Cooper is he's a really good guy. You know, I I read some things last week. People saying that well, you know, that uh, is he passionate about football? Does he, he love it? Does is he right? Uh, his conditioning, you know, is he a little overweight or, and, and that's the, they'll have to determine that once he sure. gets here, you know, they will. And they'll have to determine that as they, as they go forward and trying to pay him as well. Sure. Of course he's, he's, he's under contract next year and actually they have him, uh, they have an option on him for the year after that is my understanding as well. Is that right? Well, they have, he's under contract for next year. Yeah. And then they would still, there would be different ways they could control him. They would have right. to franchise him after that. if right. they wanted. But yeah, they, they would still, uh, yeah, he's, you don't have to work out an extension with him now. Now, if you see enough in the final nine games, you may say, well, let's go ahead and work something out. Let's lower his cap number, which right. is going to be 13-9 next year, because you'd want to lower that because right. you're going to want to sign Demarcus Lawrence. Right. You're going to want to sign Cole Beasley going forward here. I mean, there, there are other moving parts here financially. But that's the other part of this. I mean, he's bringing in right now, he's on the books next year for $13.9 million. Uh, this impacts – how they build this team in the offseason going forward. So they had How to much were they going to give Sammy Watkins? Well, they were – Sammy Watkins got three years for 48, I believe, from Kansas City. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. So they were – now, my understanding was they were right there and that money wasn't the issue as much as that Sammy Watkins preferred to be part of a group in Kansas City versus the guy – in Dallas. Yeah. And if that is a guy's mindset, great. You don't sure. really want to. No. You, know, you, you don't want that for the player or really for your organization if, if a player's not ready to embrace that role. So I think Sammy Watkins felt a little bit more comfortable being a key part of a, of a scheme that he felt was a better fit for him as well. And uh, then coming to a more of a timing offense and being, okay, you're the guy, you know, you have to make this passing game work for us. Yeah. Sort of thing. So now, who, now Mari Cooper Cooper temperamentally may not be that sort of guy either. He might not be, be part of the reason that Oakland says no, because he's not a that while he's a very effective player, he's not a guy's like, okay, you're it. You know. Right. We seen from Ezekiel Elliott, he's perfectly comfortable having everything come down to him. Uh, Dak Prescott is comfortable having everything. It might be come difficult though to, to have a, a guy in your offense where it's a run based offense and have a wide a wide receiver like Dez demanding the ball sure. all the time. Sure. But let me ask you this about Sammy Watkins. Who would you rather have, Amari Cooper or Sammy Watkins? Personally, I would rather have Amari Cooper. And this is not talking about the money that would have been paid Walker or having to give up a one to to get Amari Cooper. Um well, one, I think he, Watkins only has one 1,000-yard season. He's been uh, more, Cooper has two. Cooper's been more accomplished. I believe Cooper's younger, too, isn't he? I believe he's a year younger um, as well. Um, I like the size. While, he's, while he doesn't make 
contested catches per se. He makes some spectacular catches. Um, which And again, sometimes people can put too much on that as well. But what would it do for this offense for a receiver just to make an outstanding catch every now and then? Right. How, how often do these games are we saying, are we debating, okay, was that on Dak or was that on the receiver? Right. Well, sometimes the receiver just has to make a play. Right. And, you know, not every ball is going to be perfect. And sometimes that, in my mind, that's what distinguishes average receivers from outstanding receivers is the outstanding receivers and elite receivers can make plays that other receivers can't. And that means catching balls that other receivers would not catch. And, and so often this year, we've just seen balls that receivers don't catch. And you can say, well, yeah, the pass wasn't ideal. You know, Dak has a part of that, but you know, we're seven games into the season now. Everyone keeps saying that and debating like every pass. Okay, how much of it was Dak's fault? How much of it was the receiver's fault? And you're doing that because you don't have any receivers making plays. No, that, that, that's absolutely right. And I've complained about that uh, ad nauseum about the – you know, the, the other day, Deontay Thompson, he throws a quick guy, Josh Norman's behind him. And, and, yeah. the, and on the broadcast, initially they say, oh, Norman makes a good play here and knocks it away. He didn't knock it away. Mm-hmm. The, ball hit, the ball hit Deontay in the chest. Yes, it did, yeah. And he didn't even have his hands up. Hit him in the chest. Uh, and another play, Alan Hearns later in the game, they didn't yeah. show a replay of it. But he turned to catch the ball, and when he tried to catch it, the ball was behind him already. He mm-hmm. put his hands up almost too late like he didn't think the ball was coming to him. So I, I think that you're absolutely right about that. We have not seen receivers make those kind of plays, and I'm not defending Beasley's Dax. made a few. Packers. You know, you saw Beasley go up on that 18-yarder you, well, uh, to, to get them across midfield. I mean, Beasley's the guy who has uh, done it. I should say, say but, but, he's but always we, the exception yeah, here. But, but, as we, but as we've said before, a defense can take any one sure. receiver – regardless of how good they are out of a game. If a, deceit, if a defense determines, you know what, we'll take away, you know, we know they want to run, so we'll take away Elliott. All we care about is taking away Beasley. Let's see what these other guys can do. Right. You can structure your defense where it makes absolutely no sense for your quarterback to throw to him. And, and that's what, you know, some teams have done with Beasley. Now, that's why you have to have someone else step up and do something consistently enough during that period in order where defenses have to go, okay, well, we can't – we're getting hurt too much. Now we're going to have to cover him as well, and, and Beasley gets open. Right. Uh, Dallas doesn't have that right now. No one else has stepped up. I, you know, Gallup has done it in bursts, but um, – Well, that's what you want. No one has done it consistently. But you want somebody on both sides. That's the, that's the yeah, issue here. Yes. You want somebody – On both sides, and then Beasley work in the middle. Absolutely. So, so let's get back to this, uh, the, the, the point when I was making earlier about the playoffs, and we talked yeah. about that and the possibilities of that. Our good friend Tim Callishaw wrote uh, in a quick take. Well, that this, maybe he's your good friend. <laughs> <laughs> this smacks of desperation. And, and you know, it, what's interesting to me is that we looked at and last year, and I, and I, and I wrote this uh, along with everybody else, that uh, look what Howie Roseman did, the GM of the Eagles, and, and he made moves. He was he's yeah. making trades. He was, you know, because that was kind of a lost art in the NFL. People weren't making trades anymore. People were just going through mm-hmm. the draft or free agency. No one was making trades, not 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 major level trades, making minor trades, but not major sure. level trades. And he was doing that. So from what we understand, uh, Howie Roseman was was trying to get uh, you know Amari Cooper as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Supposedly there was one report that he had offered a, a second round draft yeah. pick last week. Yeah, I'm not sure about second, but Philadelphia certainly expressed an interest. And for all the Cowboy fans and people who are saying that that Dallas overpaid for Amari Cooper, which I agree with, so let's just take that off the board. Yes, they overpaid for Amari Cooper, 
But what would all those people be saying if Amari Cooper just wound up in Philadelphia right. and Dallas is sitting here with the same group of receivers and both teams are sitting there three and four with what they feel the division is wide open? Then you're going to say, oh, Philadelphia beat us again. They Absolutely. put one over on Dallas. Absolutely. Look at this. Absolutely you would. Because at this point to me, uh, if you looked at the rest of the schedule, the, the, of the nine games the Cowboys have left, only two are against teams with winning records. Yeah. One of those is Washington. Washington again. You know? And then the other one, of course, is the Saints. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about a very mediocre schedule that they're playing from here on out. Now, you yeah. could say that the Cowboys are also a very mediocre team as well. And they are. Yeah. And they are. But they have shown that at home they're pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that this team, if Amari Cooper can make some kind of difference in this offense, I think this team – uh, has still has the potential to win nine games, maybe ten. I think ten is a real stretch at this point. I do too. Nine is more realistic, but nine could win the division based nine. on where things are. Nine could, and and so and, and here's the other key, real quick. You have you come back out and you play Tennessee home game after this bye week, right? And where you're undefeated. So at that point, it's it's very realistic to expect you're going to be four and four, right? Based on what we've seen from this season, home versus road, right? Then what happens after that? Two road games at Philadelphia and Atlanta. Right. So right away, where you haven't won all season, you're going to have to go back. So we're going to see this This trade needs to pay di- – we talk about this season. Oh, absolutely. This trade need to, needs to pay dividends in the next three games. Not it, this season, the next three games. Absolutely. Because if, if Dallas loses those two road games, there's no way they're making the playoffs. No. At worst, they have to split. And really the best split they could have would be to lose to Atlanta and beat Philly. And this is, this is the reason that I think that I could believe in the Cowboys as a playoff team is because of their defense. Yeah. I, I think that this offense certainly – That's why they're still in it. Absolutely. They wouldn't be in it otherwise. Absolutely. And I, so I think that they, I think they're much more capable of stopping Atlanta this year than they were last year, which was, sure. a, was a disaster. Uh, I think that they are – Atlanta's defense is horrible. It is. It is terrible. And so I think that there are – yeah, you know, for all the problems that, the, that uh, Eli Manning has had, and then at the end of that game, I don't know what in the world was going on. Yeah. But Eli's making every throw he wants to make. They have a chance, and it's only a three-point game at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think that these are certainly winnable games for the Cowboys. And now you could say that, you know, certainly it was a winnable game in Houston. It was a, certainly a winnable game at Washington, you know. Mm-hmm. So these were games that the Cowboys should have probably could have won. I, 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 I think – you know, I think it was a little more problematic in Houston at the end. I do think that if they had at least tried to go for the touchdown at the end of the Washington game, they could have won that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly, uh, the Alex Smith is is stumped against the Cowboys' defense. I I don't think that. Well, he was out three of his top four receivers in that game. Well, that's true, and and, and that's really a problem. <laughs> they had nothing offensive. That that, that, that is a problem. So, and that's what we're seeing kind of across the board in the NFL. So, I, I think there are a few outstanding teams in the league, and then everybody else is either in the Cowboys' boat or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's right around five hundred. You're sure. a lot of three and four teams out there. It's it is wide open, and to me, this is uh, you, you can say as Tim did that this smacks of desperation. Well. To me, when it's this close, when you look back on it, how bad would you feel if you thought that, my gosh, if we had maybe gone for it and made a move here, maybe we could have won that? Because I, I just go back to last year. The fact that the Eagles won with a backup – they won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Everybody wants to say, oh, this 
because everybody's stuck. It has to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's stuck in the early 90s when the Cowboys were unbelievable, you know, when they had great mm-hmm. teams on offense and defense. That's not the NFL anymore. No. And, and you don't have to be that good. All you, you, can, you can look at the Cowboys and say, wow, this is not good and this is not good. But here's, here's the thing their offensive line is not playing very well. Uh, I think that Pro Football Focus all. says that they're like 10th or 11th best offensive line in the league. They're really now. bad on the road. They are really bad on the road. And we hear that this whole, as as Tony explained on the broadcast, uh, you know, it's communication issues. Guys can't hear each other saying switch, you know, in the the offensive line. I think there are probably more uh, problems than just that. As you said the other day, this goes beyond hearing issues. (laughs) Yes, it is. And and, and I think we really saw – and it's interesting because afterwards – I thought the offensive game played as bad as it had all season in Washington. Right. But afterwards, to a man, everyone you talked to in that room said – no, we got the communication issues worked out, which to me was even more damning about what that loss was about it because was. it just meant physically on the offensive line, you just got beat and you couldn't hold up. And you saw it across the offensive line. And look, not that this play would have made a difference, but, but how different is the tone of that game? Dak Prescott takes off, I think, on the second second snap, second or third snap, runs 22 yards. Right, call back. Is in Washington territory. Call back, holding on, on – uh, Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith. I mean, right away. Right. Now, then you have you have him get beat around the outside later, very visibly, uh, when when uh, Dak gets hammered on another play. You have uh, Lyle Collins get a penalty. You have that Connor Williams, two penalties. Uh, one of them at a horrible time that, that moved Dallas back after they picked up a first down, right. which then resulted in the play where Dak fumbled and uh, – Washington takes the 20 to 10 lead. So it was across the board. I think Looney was the only guy who didn't get called for a penalty in that I game think that's on the right. offensive line. And that is the to me the that is a real issue going forward here. Is is Tyron Smith? Zach Martin his, hurt his knee in that game and came back. Yeah, is Tyron Smith losing a step? I mean, that's, these are things to me that they have to And he's healthy this year and they're not managing this year like he has in the past. So that's the other thing. At least you know, at least the last two seasons on the occasions he got beat, you went well. You know, he didn't practice all week. Right. This is where it shows up. He's in practice all the time now. Now yeah. he's just getting beat. Yeah. And, and and the guys who are beating him are speed guys to the outside. He's still right. not giving up anything inside. If he can get his hands on you, you're not getting anywhere close. Yeah. But he's giving up. He's getting beat on the outside a little more often than we've seen in the past. Yeah, he is. All right, David. We've had a good long broadcast here. Podcast uh, too so long, based on Brian. I think Brian he's, fell he's asleep. rubbing his eyes in there. He's shaking asleep. His head. Oh my gosh! So we've had a Rangers podcast with uh, our our uh, surprise guest. Haha, <laughs> you like that, uh, Evan Grant? Uh, and then we've had our Cowboys podcast. We're gonna have us a Mavs podcast talking about these young kids coming in here and, and uh, whipping up a storm. So uh, for everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.